0: Sunday, May 26th, the greatest spectacle in racing returns. The Indianapolis 500 on NBC and Peacock. 33 of the world's fastest drivers go head-to-head for a chance to kiss the bricks, taste the milk, and claim their place in racing history. Experience the drama, the pageantry, the tradition. Live from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indy 500, Sunday, May 26th on NBC and Peacock. Or listen on Sirius XM NBC Sports Channel. With the first jewel claim. Oh, it's a photo of the
1: Derby! Mystic
2: The race for the Triple Crown erupts
1: into an epic party. The Preakness Stakes, May 18th on NBC and Peacock.
2: I'm ready to go! Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love.
1: I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why
2: we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. What makes Mike Florio
0: the expert? You're about to find out. This is Pro Football Talk Live with Mike Florio on NBC Sports Radio.
2: Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland enjoying the program on Sky Sports. Hello to you, Chris. You had yesterday off. I finally realized what's going on here. You got five days next week, so you're doing three days this week to keep your average at four. I'm not <laughs> stupid, uh-huh. at least not as stupid as you think. <laughs>
1: yep, you're right. I got a day off because of the extra day next week. It was nice. It really was. felt
2: good. What's wrong with you today? You got a cold? What's going on? You sound different. Thank you for noticing. Yes, Yes, I do. I I am fighting through something that I've somehow acquired, even though I never leave my house. I don't know how I got it. I must have got it from the dog. But uh, my voice has been, it's been a challenge. Notice that the less I talk, the more it kind of comes back. So you get to talk some to help me protect my voice and get through the next couple of hours. Don't you worry. And uh, the first thing we need to talk about today, Chris... And this is not a surprise. We expected this. I didn't think anyone was going to offer Eli Manning the kind of contract that would make him leave the Giants and feel that he was going to be the guy wire-to-wire wire in 2020. That would take $20 million or more. I didn't think that was coming. He didn't think that was coming. He's not interested in changing teams. No one's out there interested in making him their guy for this year. So he retires. And more specifically, his retirement's announced press conference Friday, not a surprise and and he's doing it at a good time, right right he's He's tucking it into the end of the dead week between conference championships and pro Bowl. He's not going to try to to one up Super Bowl week. he's getting it done now, he's getting it out there now, and uh you know he deserves the celebration he's going to get for a great NFL career. That ends after 16 seasons. Yeah, that's right. NFL legend, and you know, it, it
1: is time for Eli to retire. And I, I'm glad he is retiring. And I say that, you know, almost I say that selfishly but only because out of respect where I just go, man, Eli Manning's a giant. That's what he is. I don't want to really see him in another uniform, just like we've talked about with Tom Brady and whoever else to me is synonymous. He's obviously one of the, the great players in the the history of the franchise and so many special moments. Uh, and of course, some of the like truly, truly, you know, up there for the most epic moment ever in Super Bowl 42, uh, defeating the undefeated New England Patriots, he will go down as a legend here in the New York area for sure for some of those playoff moments. And then added onto that, Mike, I mean, I, I don't know how many times you met Eli. But Eli's a great guy, and it's hard to find somebody that dislikes him, a teammate that's disliked him. He's funny. He's personable. uh, Really respect everything about Eli Manning, the human being and the football player.
2: Yeah, when the lights are on, he's more reserved. But when you get him away from that, he's, right. he's very funny. Yep. He's, he's sarcastic. He's a huge Seinfeld fan, which scores extra points in my book. And I'll tell you a quick Eli story from my own interactions with him. A couple of years ago at the Super Bowl, one of my nephews was in town for Friday. You know, people come in, go to the game. And um, we had Eli scheduled for an interview. And I, I had to go to the room between interviews. I had to do something, whatever it was. But I was back, and I was on time. I was on time for the Eli Manning interview, but he was on Tom Coughlin time. He got there five minutes early for the interview, right? So, uh, you know, he, I got there, and he was just interacting with my nephew, and my nephew was pretending to interview him, and they were sitting there at the desk. And it was just, it was, it was just a neat moment, and, it, you know, it's something that for him, it's just two minutes out of his day. It's something my nephew is never going to forget, and that's the way he was. And the work that he did for kids with cancer, that right. was kind of his cause and yep. probably will still be his cause going forward. You know, just a very meaningful, very beloved in the New York area, beloved throughout the National Football League. And he's given us some of the great moments in yeah. football games that, that we will always remember. The throw to David Tyree in Super Bowl 42. Yep. The throw to Mario Manningham in Super Bowl 46. Was better. That doesn't give the was attention more... that it deserves. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the throw to the the throw to David Tyree was
1: more about the escape. That was amazing. the The throw and the completion was, you know, somewhat luck. Okay, I don't mean to like disrespect anybody there. But you're right, the Mario Manningham throw, I mean, that's the greatest throw of Eli Manning's career. And you're right, these accomplishments, these were two, I mean, these were the New England Patriots who we thought were just, you know, unbeatable. You can't beat this group. They're unreal. We've never seen anything like play like this. And he forced them to lose two Super Bowls in a row because of his clutchness. And that's where he's a legend here in the New York area, just delivering in big moments where people are going to have great memories of that forever and ever.
2: Yeah, I agree with you completely. And, you know, that's going to raise the question that that has been percolating even before he announces his retirement, whether or not he makes it to the Hall of Fame. And I'm a firm believer he will get there. Yeah. He will get there. He may not get there on the first try. I right. pegged the over-under last hour at 3.5 tries. I think he's getting in. Yes. Because it was two Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl MVPs coming against two great Patriots teams. It's the Giants, right? It's the big moments that he gave us. Yes. And... Having the last name of Manning does not hurt. Sure. It doesn't. If he had a different last name, that's a factor. It's it's not the determining factor, but if it's, it's a little close, nudge. It's a it's a little it's a little bit of a tiebreaker if it's close. Yes. And and the fact that he's a nice guy, right? If guys like Terrell Owens and Chris Carter got held out for multiple times because the voters regard him as a them as a jerk. The, the, Eli Manning's the exact opposite. So if it hurts them, ipso facto, being a nice guy is going to help him when it's time for human beings to make decisions. Not robots, not computers. Human beings are making these decisions. Yeah. So no, the position he played, how he, how he achieved at the highest levels, because his last name is Manning, because it was the Giants, and because he's a hell of a nice guy who was – the Walter Payton Man of the Year, along with Larry Fitzgerald in 2017, those are all factors that will help him get in.
1: Yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, you know, I think there's there's three things I look at just to say it kind of gets him over it. Because if you took the regular season and just the stats and just win-loss record, you go, uh... You know, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure if Eli Manning, because, you know, again, I don't know if there was maybe other than one year of his career where I could really sit there and go, he was one of the five best quarterbacks in football. All right. And maybe 2011, 2012, those are the two years I could probably think of where you can maybe throw him into that conversation there. But it's the it's three things that I think nudge him in no matter what. You know, the two Super Bowls, the playoff runs they made, those were magical. I mean, hey, beating Brett Favre on the road and Brett Favre's last game in Green Bay, I mean, that's almost as magical as beating the undefeated Patriots. You know, beating that San Francisco 49ers team in the 2011 NFC Championship game where he took a beating and just hung in there like a soldier, play after play after play. That whole playoff run. And then the last thing is his availability, the, the Ironman-ness of, of Eli Manning. You know, the fact that he played through that streak, what was it? 207 straight games and all that. I think those three things are, yeah, like what you're saying, nudge him into the hall of fame to where I think a lot of people would have been on the fence, but those three accomplishments are so, uh, carry so much weight that I do think he gets in. Yeah. Second,
2: third try, something like that. And, you know, I, I, just sent an email to the Giants to find out what the transaction is going to be. We have to spin this forward a little bit, Chris. Yeah. Because if they put him on the reserve retired list, it complicates the possibility of a comeback in 2020. In the event there's a contending team that is undefeated in November— and their quarterback ta- tears an ACL, and they give Eli Manning a phone call, and he wants to come back, but he's on the Giants reserve retired list, it's going to be difficult for him to come back. He'd have to pass through waivers first, and it's just an extra layer. Uh, and and I, I don't even know if you can put a guy on reserve retired when his contract is expiring in March. These are things we're trying to find out. But it's one of those details that at the time the retirement happens, you don't think of it, but it resonates Going forward, look at Rob Gronkowski. He had a hard window on when he could have come back this yep, year right. because he's on the reserve retired list, and he can only come back for the Patriots until they release him from the reserve retired list. If you're just a free agent, you can come back whenever you want, however you want. You could sign. I mean, in theory, in theory, and I'm not going to name names because I don't want to jinx anybody, but next year the, in, in the conference championship round, the starting quarterback of one of the conference champions could tear an ACL. And his team wins. And if you're a free agent, you can sign with him for the Super Bowl. If you're not a free agent, you can't. So or if you if you want to, it's gonna be far more complicated. So I, I just it's one of those weird little details that may shed light on to whether or not Eli Manning is is at least keeping the door open yeah, just a little bit right. in the event something screwy happens this year yeah I hear you I, I'd like to know that
1: detail too I'd be shocked though if it was anything but like you know reserve retired I would I, I you know I just think Eli I've heard him say it before really for the last two or three years where you know him being a New York Giant retiring a New York Giant I do think is important to him and I also think that this year, you know, the writing on the wall, just he, he, finally read it. All right. I think he finally realized like, listen, you know, gosh, I'm okay, but man, yeah, I guess it's official. I'm not a starting quarterback. I think he, he saw that probably when he went to the bench, he saw Daniel Jones do some things where he probably went, Ooh, i I can't do that. Uh, I'm not on that level anymore. And I bet you that made him reconsider things. And does he really want to uproot his family and do all that stuff? I find that hard to believe, too. He's he's a New Yorker now. That's what he is. He's been sucked in, just like Phil Simms was. Phil always thought he was a Kentucky guy and might go back to Kentucky. And he ended up playing 15 years, and he's as New York as they come now. And that's what happens here in this area. You become a legend. The people love you. The people will love Eli Manning more now than they did as a player. And that's pretty hard to do because because he was pretty beloved as a player.
2: Well, and, you know, there's been constant speculation about Peyton Manning's next move. Yeah. What speculation will there be about Eli? Does he jump into broadcasting? Would he be – I think he'd be very intriguing in that role if you get him in the right frame of mind where he's willing to kind of be himself. I mean, we've seen him in different settings where yeah, – commercials, he, he, things. It's he's, disarming yeah. how funny he
1: can be. Right. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I'm i here. I'm with you. You know, whether he can actually do that with a mic in front of him and loosen up and be the guy that we know, you know, behind closed doors or something like that. I don't know. I still think the Manning family, they got too much money. Okay. They got more money than they know what to do with between Peyton and Eli. I mean, if I, if I, if memory serves me correct, they're still the two highest paid players in the history of football. And they're going to the find, I got the numbers. Okay. But I was going to say, they're just going to, they're going to find the investors, I think at some point to Bu- built to buy a team, and they're gonna run it a la like a John Elway
2: and be that type of guy. Eli Manning currently is the highest earning player of all time with 252 million. Right. Peyton is at 248. Now, Drew Brees and or Tom Brady will pass Eli yeah. this year if they play, assuming right. they play. But that's half a billion between Eli and Peyton. Now, that's pre tax. And that doesn't take into account money they've made off the field. I still don't think they have enough between them to be the primary owner of no, a team. right. Because you need billions, not half a billion. You need multiple billions to pull it off. You need the money to buy the team. You need the cash to buy the team. You need the cash to operate the team. But it's enough where they could be a significant minority partner with someone else who is the primary owner who wants nothing to do with the publicity who wants to just be the owner yep. and let peyton run it now i don't know that eli wants to hang out with peyton every single day of his life i think he probably got enough of that growing up right but uh you know if that's what eli is and he wants to get involved in it. And maybe Eli's a silent partner, and it's just Peyton who runs the show. But I could see something like that happening, because between the two of them, they got plenty of cash, Chris. Yeah, they do. they got plenty of cash. They had great
1: careers. They deserve it. they got personnel. I think they would be very good at running a football team. I know, I know there's no doubt about that, uh, and, and I'm with you. I think that's where they end up instead of maybe the broadcast booth when it's
2: all said and done. Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio. Pro Football Talk Live, NBC Sports Radio, NBCSN. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland. Enjoying the program on Sky Sports. It is the Playwright Irish Pub in Miami Beach where we will be next Wednesday night, 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern. we posted the link on our Twitter pages as to where you can register. And it's free. It's fr- We're not trying to make any money off of this. We're just trying to give a little bit back. We're trying to have a little fun and... Uh, We'll see how much fun it is next Wednesday night, Chris.
1: Yeah, that's right. Everybody come out. We'll have some fun. We'll get some fan interaction. I'll egg everybody on to heckle you. I mean, it, it can't. It can't be bad. It can't. You know, oh, us- no,
2: that sounds great.
1: Yeah, I can't wait. For you know, oh, you know, I'm going to rally them up to heckle you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to turn the whole place against you. That's what I'm that's my goal on next Wednesday night. And yeah, well, I one really game was behind looking forward in the to picks, it, but- right? I'm one game behind. So I got to figure out who you're going to pick in the Super Bowl and pick the other team so I can end up at least coming the way. with. I'm a picking tie.
2: the 49ers. Go ahead. Take the Chiefs. I'm picking the 49ers. I've learned the hard way. OK, the 49ers you're picking them. are the better team. All right. Go ahead. Take the Chiefs. No, I dare you. To I'm take not the sure Chiefs. who I'm
1: taking yet. OK, fine.
2: There are other teams in the NFL and there is other news that has been popping up in recent days, even though we focused on the conference championship games and the Super Bowl to come. The latest that came out over the weekend on Tom Brady, he spoke with Jim Gray of Westwood one for pregame for uh, the conference championship coverage from Westwood one. And he said, I'm open-minded about this looming free agency process. At the same time, I love playing football. I want to continue to play and do a great job. So I'm looking forward to what's ahead. Whatever the future may bring, I'll embrace it with open arms. In the meantime, I'm going to watch these two games today as a fan and enjoy them from my couch. That was Brady to Jim Gray of Westwood 1. So look, I mean, here's the bottom line. His contract is expiring. There's nothing the Patriots can do to keep him other than convince him to sign a new contract. They can't use... A right of first refusal, franchise tag, transition tag, none of that. He's gone if he wants to be gone. It's up to him what he wants to do, Chris. And, you know, there's been some speculation about other teams he could play for. But this is going to be one of the big stories of the offseason. Obviously, it reminds me of Peyton Manning back in 2012. Where will Tom Brady go? The only difference is with Peyton Manning eight years ago, there was never a thought he was going to go back to the Colts. because The Colts were taking Andrew Luck in the draft. Right. There's still that that possibility of returning to the Patriots, it is keeping this from becoming a bigger deal. Once that door closes on the Patriots, I think that's when this one explodes.
1: Yeah, I, I agreed. Uh, it, there, I mean, there's so many fascinating things here. I, I think the first thing is, you know, what you learn from these comments and just from the things Brady says is, is, he? it seems like he's willing to go, right? He's willing to leave town if he has to. There's no doubt about that. I think that's the surprise number one to me. Now, when Josh McDaniels didn't get a head coaching job with one of the five vacancies, I thought, ooh, that probably bodes well for us all seeing Tom Brady back in New England one more year. Now, the other thing I think we got to take into account here is, you know, the money situation, too. You know, I don't know what Tom Brady's looking for, but if Tom Brady's looking to make like a $30, $35 million a year or you know, two-year contract for $70 million, something like that, I, I don't think that happens in New England. I mean, just my experience with Bill Belichick is if he thinks you're worth $0.04, cents, he's not giving you $0.05. Cents. He just won't do it. You know, and that's another thing I think where they're not going to bring Brady back unless it's something respectable that they feel like they can build the team around him with at this point in their career. I don't think they're going to go one more year and put themselves deeper into salary cap hell for Brady at 43 years old either. I think Belichick and even he could sell that to Kraft, who we know loves Brady, too. So a lot of different interesting angles in this one.
2: And there's been reports that no hometown discount this time around, that he wants something closer in line with market value. And look, there's market value, and then there's his value. What is he really worth at this point? And in a weird sort of a way, the struggles of the Patriots' offense in 2019, Chris, makes Tom Brady less marketable because it raises questions about whether or not he still has it. Definitely. His father time breathing down his neck. And in a roundabout way, it may make it cheaper and more feasible for the Patriots to keep him. Because here's what will happen. Even though we're weeks away from the start of free agency, teams are starting to make their plans. And there will be conversations that officially never happen, that definitely do happen behind the scenes between team representatives and Tom Brady's agent Don Yee about, hypothetically, what would be available, hypothetically, to a hypothetical 42, soon-to-be 43-year-old quarterback who, hypothetically, may be willing to join a new team, hypothetically. That's how it happens. So you gauge the market that way. You know that this team will pay X. Another team will pay X plus $3 $3 million a year. Another team will pay this. So then they'll know. Before they tell the Patriots no thank you, they'll know what else is out there. That's how it always works, and that's something that may already be happening. It's never going to be announced because it's tampering. Yep. It happens all the time. Everybody does it. But, you know, the ultimate decision that will be revealed at some point before the middle of March, it may be far closer to being made than people realize because I think already – Teams, if they're smart, if they're interested in Tom Brady, they're going to be making it known somehow, some way, what they are willing to put on the table to get Brady on their team. Yeah, no, I I think you're right, you know, and
1: I would have a hard time, you know, not believing that there will be one team out there that's going to be enamored with Tom Brady and what he could maybe do for their franchise. And, you know, uh, just, just, oh, okay, he could still play. Hey, listen, Tom Brady can still win football games and do that. We know that. You know, Tom Brady, the, like the top 10 quarterback in football and all that, that's over. That's done. But you put the right team around him, all right? And, you know, he does know how to play the game. He still has a good arm and he gives your team belief. I think those are the things that, you know, somebody will get enamored with with Brady. Now, who that team is, I don't know. Uh, whether that's the L.A. Chargers or somebody like that, I mean, that's the teams I continue to look at. It makes sense to me there for them trying to make a mark in L.A. too. Um, but, yeah, you're right. These conversations are going to start to be had right around now. The teams that are not in the playoffs and have just started their offseason work and getting the head coach involved and all that stuff, uh, that's all going to go down over here in the next five to six weeks.
2: Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio.
1: Everyone has different ways to you know, get motivated and very similar to Sherman, I, I do the same thing you know I hear all the stuff and everything but it's just um, you can't you know you can't put that all out there all the time it's just you know you have to do with it what you what you will and uh, take it for what it is it's just you know at the end of the day you gotta go out there and play football.
2: Pro Football Talk Live. There's Jimmy Garoppolo from Thursday meeting with the media. One of the umpteen times that all the key players for Super Bowl 54 will be talking to reporters. This is one of the only times we'll hear from them in their usual city. They'll be heading to Miami soon, as will we. Big Cat is back. And Jimmy Garoppolo, Big Cat, you know, it's it's amazing that he's being criticized not for anything he's done, but what he hasn't done. Because at some point in the second half of the divisional round of the playoffs, Kyle Shanahan realized... Why do we want to take any chances of this guy throwing a bunch of interceptions? Let's just run the ball until they stop us. And from the second half of that game to all of the next game, they haven't been able to stop him. So why let him do anything that could potentially screw up this quest to get Super Bowl championship number six?
0: Uh, Mike, thanks for having me. I feel bad that you're sick. It's actually good that you got sick before Miami, though. Get that sick out of you. But I agree with everything you just said. Kyle Shanahan, I loved his quote after the NFC championship game. Because I truly do believe that the, the 49ers could have passed on the Packers if they, if they wanted to. But when you're running for eight yards a carry, why would you ever go off of that? And that's why I love Kyle Shanahan. That's why I think he's one of the best coaches in the NFL, why he's sitting at the you know eve of a Super Bowl right now, because he takes what the defense gives him. And he knows that the, you know this coaching thing, sometimes guys overthink it. Sometimes guys get a little too ahead of themselves and they try to be cute. Kyle Shanahan knows that if one thing is working, it doesn't matter style points. It doesn't matter if Jimmy Garoppolo threw the ball eight times. You know what matters? Getting to the Super Bowl. So I love that from Kyle Shanahan, and I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo deserves any criticism for that. If if it was flipped and, you know, Super Bowl Sunday, the Chiefs say, hey, we're going to, you know, load the box, make sure that the 49ers can't run. First of all, they won't be able to stop the run because the 49ers run game is that good – but I, I, if I were a 49er fan, I would think Jimmy Garoppolo has the ability to throw the ball 20, 25 times, if need be. So I'm not taking this as a knock on Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm actually saying it's it's a plus for Kyle Shanahan and how great he is as a coach.
2: You know, he admits that he hears the doubters. Now, he internalizes it more than others would, but he hears them, and you want to prove them wrong. and. You have to wonder how he reacts if the original game plan that gets distributed to the players calls for run, 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 run if they keep running and if they keep running effectively like they have for the last six quarters. Like, hey, Kyle, I'd like to kind of prove that I'm worth my $27.5 million per year because that's going to be the next question, Big Cat. If he has a Bob Greasy Super Bowl where he throws the ball between 7 and 11 times and they win, at some point somebody's going to say, why the hell are they paying him so much money
0: when they don't need to use him? Because they, if they wanted to pass, he would be able to – and obviously the 49ers' offense is not built to go deep because look at the weapons they have. Besides George Kittle, it's not like they have these incredible wide receivers. I like Debo Samuel. I like Emmanuel Sanders. But they don't have guys that are stretching the field, that are taking the top off the defense. So this this offense is built exactly for what they have been doing. It's not a knock on Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, can be that guy. It's just that he doesn't need to be asked to do it if the uh, run offense is as good as it has been all season long. So, I, I of course, in the competitor nature, like Jimmy Garoppolo is sitting there saying, I want to throw the ball. I want to win this game. I want to have a big part in winning it. But let me just remind you, Jimmy Garoppolo, you have a lot of money. You're very, very attractive. You can win a Super Bowl, and oh yeah, guess what? Bill Belichick loves you, and Bill Belichick saw something in you, so I'm going to say that you probably have something as well if Bill Belichick thinks you have something, and Kyle Shanahan thinks that you should be a quarterback. So your time will come. Just be patient and win this Super Bowl.
2: But if there's anything to the idea that the way Garoppolo was playing against the Vikings, where he could have had three interceptions that all could have slash should have been caught by Eric Kendricks. He did get one of them. The Vikings weren't able to do anything with it. They got a field goal to make it 14-10 at the half. When they flipped the switch in the second half to 16 straight runs, was Kyle freaked out by this sense, this perception, this possibility that Garoppolo was going to have a hard time? I mean, what made Kyle Shanahan decide to run to set up the run to set up the run to set up the run? I mean, how many times do we see at some point play action gets sprinkled in when you've got a defense on its heels. That's what's been surprising to me, that they have – and look, Kyle Shanahan is brilliant enough to not outsmart himself. If I'm doing this and it's working and you can't stop it, why would I stop doing it? That's the brilliance of it. But at some point it becomes glaring. At some point you do say, why are we paying this guy so much money?
0: I don't – I do not care. I honestly think that this is – like. This is where we're at with the NFL and coaching, that Kyle Shanahan doing something that works repeatedly, which then means that he's not passing the ball. Everyone is sitting there scratching their head being like, why isn't he passing the ball? What's wrong with Jimmy Garoppolo? I would love to have a coach like this who says, I'm going to just do whatever it takes to win. I don't care about being some genius. I don't care about having the run-pass balance. I'm going to win, and if they can't stop the run – I will just keep running it down their throat. It's it's refreshing, to be honest with you. So I'm looking at it a completely different way than people saying, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, they don't trust him or he's not up to the challenge. I'm looking at it as Kyle Shanahan is great for what he is doing and it's refreshing to see a coach just flat out admit, if you can't stop us, this is Vince Lombardi, Mike. This is Vince Lombardi. They're just going to keep running the same play over and over and over until you stop it. And guess what? They probably won't stop it.
2: You said something earlier, Big Cat, that caught my ear. Do you believe the Chiefs will be able to stop the 49ers running game?
0: No, I actually don't. I, I, I And, of course, I think they will be better than what the Packers were because the Packers were a disgrace in that department. So, I, I, you know, qualify, stop the running game. Give me a number to, to, to say this is how they're going to stop the running game. I think, obviously, they did a good job against Derrick Henry, but this is a different running attack. This is a different – uh, beast altogether, Derrick Henry, unbelievable run. What he did in the playoffs, what he did in December, was fantastic. I just think that much like the days of Kyle Shanahan's father's team, the, you know the Denver Broncos, they can just throw someone out there and hit the hit the you know hit the one cut and get downhill. And they'll beat you over and over and over again. And it's the blocking more than anything than the you know the running back. So I do not think they will be able to stop the run on Super Bowl Sunday. Maybe a little bit better than the Packers, but stop it? Absolutely not.
2: And in that first highlight that we've showed, if you're watching on NBCS Center Sky Sports, it was the third and eight trap play that was called that Raheem Mostert took to the end zone. And for me, Big Cat, when I saw that, right, game over. It's 7-0, but it's game over because it's not like you're going to come up with some different strategy at halftime that's going to allow you to stop what you just physically can't stop. And one of the things I've been talking about this week, the fact that the 49ers have collected a bunch of guys who are badass, roughneck, we don't need to practice blocking, hitting, and tackling because they don't practice it like they used to the 2011 CBA reduced dramatically the amount of time that these guys can go out and get that callus on their bodies as Jim Harbaugh calls it sharpen the saw have yourself ready for contact on Sunday because you're getting contact more frequently these are guys who can flip the switch at any time and they will go out there and they will out hit out work out muscle and I think there's gonna be a premium placed you know where where there's always a reaction to when a great team comes out and dominates the NFL. What do you do to stop him? What do you do over the next seven months? How do you slow down Patrick Mahomes? That was last year's project. This year, it's going to be equal parts. What do you do about Lamar Jackson? And what do you do about this 49ers run game? Well, you know what you do? You go out and you find some guys who can tackle without practicing tackling because they don't. Who can hit without practicing hitting because they don't. And until someone comes up with a defense like that, I don't think you're going to be able to stop the 49ers running game.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And and one other thing, uh, if if you look at the advanced stats, the Chiefs were one of the worst teams this year on defending the run to the edges, and that's what the 49ers do very, very well. They obviously were good against Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry cut the ball back a lot and and that kind of was you know the day for for the Titans and, and situational football obviously matters where that uh drive that the Titans have to you know with two and a half minutes left in the first half they go three and out the game kind of flips it's harder to run the ball when you're down against a team like the Chiefs against Patrick Mahomes i just think the 49ers the way that they're set up they're they're going to be able to run on anyone now i'm sure we'll get to this and talk about it all next week That's not saying that Patrick Mahomes won't be able to throw on the 49ers, so this might be a game because of that way. But in terms of the matchup where the the Chiefs' defense matching up against the 49ers' running attack, I'm hard-pressed to see the Chiefs being able to hold them to under 100 yards like they did with Derrick Henry.
2: Big difference, too, that I see between Derrick Henry and the running game that the 49ers have. Derrick Henry needs two or three steps to get up to full speed. The 49ers don't. They go. The acceleration and the burst are immediate. So you don't have the luxury of a couple of steps to get to the guy and try to hit him before he busts through the hole and he's gone. you got to get there faster or he's going to bust through the hole and he's going to be gone. And we see that very exotic blocking that, that Chris Sims breaks down all the time and he does it extremely well that shows how the fullback and the tight end, Kyle Juszczyk and Greg Kittle, I mean George Kittle, get involved and, and uh, create those holes that get blown wide open. And the guy's gone before you can do anything about it. He's just gone.
0: Yeah, it's it's fantastic to watch. And and that was actually a funny thing, you know, on Sunday everyone's saying where's George Kittle? He only had I think one catch. Well, if you watch the game and you're not watching the ball, George Kittle's all over the field. He's he's a blocking maniac. And he, he's the type of guy that you love to have on offense because he doesn't care if he gets the ball. He probably, if you asked him, he probably enjoys blocking just as much as he enjoys pass catching. So having those type of guys, the dudes that can basically make this whole machine run, is why the 49ers are in the Super Bowl and why their rushing offense is special.
2: Yeah, he said after the game, how many runs did we have? They told him 42. He said we should have gone for 50. And they also have guys like Debo Samuel and Emmanuel Sanders on board with two. It helps when you're winning. See, you can get by with the 1973 Miami Dolphins offense if you're winning. But the moment you're not winning, that's when you start to get the questions. They, they, they wanted to trade for Odell Beckham Jr. back in February and March before he went to Cleveland. How do you think Odell Beckham Jr. would be dealing with this run-heavy offense in the postseason?
0: Well, uh, it, probably not very well, but Mike, you bring up Odell Beckham, and we, you know this whole Super Bowl week, when we get to Miami, it's going to be the Patrick Mahomes week. and it rightfully so. He is the most electric quarterback in the game. He is going to be the best quarterback in the game for probably the next decade. But it's going to be interesting how the narrative gets written here with you know, the Chiefs, this is their first Super Bowl of what should be many in the next decade. What about the 49ers? The 49ers you just said they wanted Odell Beckham. The 49ers don't have that deep threat. Guess what guess what is a, a plenty in this year's draft? Wide receivers. There are so many good wide receivers in this year's NFL draft. Can you imagine the 49ers adding a special deep threat to this roster? Are we saying to ourselves, the, the Chiefs are going to be back here every single year and not realizing maybe it's the 49ers that are starting something special. Maybe it's the 49ers that are going to be back here every year, and this is the start of something that in, in five, six years we look back on and say, wow, Kyle Shanahan, you know Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, this whole Niners thing, it's been working, and they've been to three, four Super Bowls.
2: You know, it was funny after the NFC Championship, Aaron Rodgers was speaking in very optimistic terms, even though he looked miserable. He looked like he'd just gotten back from five months at sea. He said, the window is open for us, and we're going to be on the right side of one of these soon. Then a couple of days later, Coach Matt LaFleur basically was like, How in the hell are we going to beat the 49ers? I mean, who's getting past the 49ers the way this team is currently constructed? The way they can run the ball, the way they play defense, the way they're coached week in and week out, it's going to be a big challenge for the Packers or any other team in the NFC, including your Chicago Bears. I I wore this today so you would be nice to me. You You haven't given me a hard time about it yet.
0: I don't know what you're talking about, Mike. This is when, it is when you like do the two for flinching, and I'm just not going to tell you when I'm going to give you the, the shot in the arm. So I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know if you were trending yesterday. I don't know if you said anything controversial. We'll just have to find out if I get a joke in somewhere along the way.
2: Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio.
0: Every position,
2: uh, it almost looks like they got their, their roster from the Olympic uh, relay team and them all on the football field not to say that they can't run routes and catch either because they can do that so they're they're a special group and and you can see why they're there Robert Sala the 49ers defensive coordinator talking about the Chiefs receivers and you know the problem is 49ers defense is very well constructed to cover you for a short period of time the longer you have to run around the harder it's going to be for that secondary to keep track of Tyreek Hill Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Mecole Hardman, throw Demarcus Robinson into there as well. Patrick Mahomes has that ability to extend the play. That's why the 49ers rely on the front four to get to the guy and force him to throw before they have a chance to run around and get open. And these guys, we've seen it time and again, they know how to run around and get open. And Patrick Mahomes knows how to buy time with his feet and find that guy who is wide open and get him the football.
0: Yeah, it's the combo of Patrick Mahomes being able to slide in the pocket and the Chiefs really too Somehow they have found a way to get every fast guy in his, in football on one roster because it feels like every time you watch them, there's a new guy running down the field and and no one can keep up with him. And, and oh, yeah, you forgot Travis Kelsey underneath all of that. So I, it's going to be very interesting what happens. And, and more than anything, Mike, the interesting matchup is whoever Richard Sherman's guarding because the 49ers – have been great this year for a lot of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is Richard Sherman has been great, and he's great in coverage, and you basically can say he's got his guy and he's not going to get beat. The one type of receiver that Richard Sherman does struggle with historically is basically every receiver on the Chiefs, and Tyreek Hill, most importantly, is almost like a caricature of every receiver that Richard Sherman struggles with. He's fast. He won't get, you know, he can get around Richard Sherman. He's not going to let Richard Sherman body him. Once he's by him, he's gone. Richard Sherman historically has always done well with bigger receivers who try to use their body because he's a big guy himself. So having Tyreek Hill, having Cole Harbin, having Sammy Watkins, having some of these guys that are going to give him problems is going to be a problem for the 49ers. As a whole, because they have been able to all year long count on Richard Sherman being that guy where he can basically eliminate their number one weapon without any issues. And having that maybe be iffy, it changes the entire dynamic of what the 49ers are doing on defense.
2: I just want the record to be clear that these are all comments that came came from Dan Big Cat Cats, not me. Lest I be dubbed a hater for calling into question the skills and abilities of Richard Sherman, who has been great this year. And he takes fuel and motivation from any actual or perceived slight. He had Darrell Rivas calling him out for not being a true man-to-man corner. He's a zone guy. But you're right. Look, he's in his thirties. He's a big guy. He's gonna have a hard time with Tyree Kill if they run Tyree Kill into his zone or through his zone and past him. Like we saw last week, one of the bright spots for the Packers, Devontae Adams, a little too little and a little too late, running past Richard Sherman for a sixty-yard gain. So, you know, it's part of what they're gonna have to construct. And they're gonna have to get the ball out fast, they're gonna have to get after Patrick Mahomes, they're gonna have to get him off of his spot, and they're gonna have to Pressure him to throw the ball before those guys get wide open. That's the key. And that front four is as good, if not better, than any in the NFL. That's going to be the challenge, putting enough pressure on Patrick Mahomes to make him throw the ball before those receivers find that opening and are wide open in the secondary.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because the 49ers defense has been very good all year, and I think they do have the the makeup to to defend a team like the Chiefs because, like you said, anytime you get pressure with four – Everything else gets easier. The thing with the Chiefs, though, is you can guard one of them. You can guard Travis Kelsey. You can guard Tyreek Hill. You can't guard all of them. And that's where they become a nightmare matchup.
2: Time for a break. We have more to come here on the Best of Pro Football Talk Live on NBC Sports Radio.